0: Welcome to today's episode of Money Over 50. Uh, we have a series of uh, frequently asked questions, we're gonna call this our frequently asked question series, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, because we, we, we find uh, that we, we do get a lot of recurring questions from from potential clients. Look, we, we understand we, we operate in a really intangible yeah. type of uh, industry and business, yeah. and uh, it would be very, very hard for, for members of the public because different financial advisors do different things. Um, there are some uh, certainly unscrupulous financial advisors. There's some pretty ordinary ones. Yep.
1: There's some very, very good ones yep. as well. So I, so, I think that's a good point. Like you saying, the intangible nature of that is that if you, if you go and engage someone to build a fence for you, you you kind of know what you're going to get at the end of it. You're either they're either going to do what they said and they're going to build a fence, or or they're not. Whereas in our game, it can be a lot a lot harder to put your finger on what what is actually going to happen.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a good point, and you can actually see if it's shoddy workmanship. Yeah. Whereas um, if it's shoddy workmanship with a a financial advisor, and I'm using air quotes here because you can't see that if you're listening to the podcast because. Um, some people that call themselves financial advisors really just aren't. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they they're, they're salespeople. So we do understand it's a very um, yeah. significant problem for for uh, the consumer yeah. to actually make an informed decision. Yeah. But um, it, it takes years and years and years to sometimes work out yeah. that their workmanship was was showing. Uh,
1: yeah. So so that's yeah. I guess why we wanted to do the the frequently asked question is that. Usually that's, these are a list of the questions that people tend to ask when they initially meet with us or before they meet with us, because they're trying to get a bit of a read on what, is this going to be for me? Is this, am I gonna get value out of this? Am I gonna, is this gonna help me achieve what I need to achieve, so. That's right, so the first, so the first uh, frequently asked question
0: is, what are your fees? Yeah, which uh,
1: makes sense, that's always, <laughs> everyone wants to know. How much does it cost? So. What we charge is a percentage-based fee, which is 1% of your retirement savings balance every year on an ongoing basis. And for the first 12 months, that's increased to 2%. So uh, we've, we've discussed this and debated this at great length over many, many coffees about the best and fairest way to charge. I, I like the idea that, <coughs> excuse me, I remember reading a, a blog post talking about your 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 business is how you you get to make the world in your business how you want the rest of the world to be and that's a big part of for me is why we charge that way is that i want to be incentivized i want to be on the same side as my clients i want to be uh, focused and incentivized on achieving the things for them they need to achieve and um Charging a percentage-based fee like that is, is the for me the easiest way to make sure that we're on the same page And we are working towards the same goal it's a um, It's a like you say I wish there are actually a lot of other industries that I couldn't I wish that I could pay someone more The better job they did it, it doesn't mm. seem to have my wife's a lawyer and I've had this discussion with her many times where it seems like if you go to a lawyer sometimes the the harder the harder the things are made or the more complex things are made the more the lawyer gets paid, but you, you may not get a better outcome from that, and and it's I guess a bit of a different industry. But so our, our theory is effectively that if you come into me with five hundred thousand dollars in superannuation or assets outside of super, or some combination of that. So just to be clear, sorry, Dallas, um, uh, you mentioned retirement savings
0: before, so we yep. would we would we would count that five hundred thousand dollars as someone's retirement savings, so this yep. is all the money that uh, they're using and we're working towards getting them to be in a position where they can retire and
1: draw from that? Yeah, sorry, Michael, that's a good point. We, we tend to do this a lot in this podcast, where things that we know what they mean, we just uh, um, forget about explaining that. But so retirement savings is a good example there of if you've got $100,000 um, cash in the bank and you've got $400,000 in superannuation and you've got a family home worth $400,000, your retirement savings would be the $400,000 of superannuation plus the cash in the bank because that's all going to be used for your retirement. Whereas the family home, it's it's not designed for you to draw income from in retirement. We wouldn't include that in what we would call your retirement savings. Yes, sorry, now I interrupted your point. So um, do you remember what you were going to say? Uh, so basically <laughs> in that example, if you've got $500,000 of total retirement savings, mm-hmm. our fees on an ongoing basis would be of that, which would be $5,000 for that first year. Hmm. Um, So, as I say, most people who come in to see us are on average a 55-year-old couple with about that amount of retirement savings uh, through a combination of superannuation or money that they've saved themselves. And they've normally got about $500,000 and one of the first things that we do is sit down and work out, okay, how much money are you gonna need to fully retire? And again, talking of pure averages here for a lot of those people, it's somewhere around 1.5 million. Uh, what we find is that without any sort of making any changes or any of our help, most people are on track to grow that from 500,000 to about a million dollars, which is going to leave them half a million dollars short of where they'd like to be ideally. Yes. So our job really is to grow that from that 500,000 to that 1.5 million. And, you know, we We've talked about that in various other podcasts and in a lot of other formats, but it's not because we're going to invest that $500,000 in some u way that we're going to get a 20% return every year. It's more about going, we're going to use all of their available resources, everything that we can possibly squeeze out for that next 10 years. We're going to get every tax advantage, every extra return we possibly can safely get, uh, make sure that their cash flow is tightened up in a way that they can... Uh, enjoy their life now as well as what they want to do in retirement and really our only focus is to get from A to B. So it's from that in this example 500,000 to 1.5. So like I said, that's why we charge that percentage based fee is that if I do a fantastic job and, and you get from 500,000 to 1.5 or slightly over by the time you need to retire, Normally my clients are ecstatic, and, and that's kind of the saying we have is we want people to be happy to pay us $5,000 a year, and ecstatic to pay us $15,000 a year because they've achieved everything that they probably didn't think they were going to be able to do, and we've done good work to help them get there.
0: It's a, I like the way you explain that, and, and we've spoken about this at length, uh, you and I, um, how um, oftentimes people come in to see us and say, you're going to manage our money. Yeah. And and, and um, there's a misconception in the industry that that uh, a financial advisor manages money. Um, and it's 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 been a misconception because some financial yep. advisors' value proposition is to manage money. Yeah. Um, we've always thought of our our job as to get from A to B. Yeah. And in this instance. Uh, and the instance that we see repeatedly for for people 10 years away from retirement and preparing for retirement yeah. is that um, our job a lot of the times is to get them to a position where they will be half a million dollars ahead of where they would have been had they not walked in through yeah. our doors. Um, we, we, we see all different types of ways that financial advisors charge fees in yeah. the industry. Um, there is a there is a model that, that some uh, subscribe to, which is what they call a flat dollar fee. So it doesn't matter how much money that you have, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what uh, they've helped you do, they will charge the same yeah. flat dollar fee every year. Yeah. We actually don't like that yeah. because the and advisor gets paid no matter what. So yeah. you know, if that flat dollar fee, for example, was $6,000 a year, um person, might move from five hundred thousand dollars to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and then go backwards, and, and the same. advisor still charges the yeah. same amount. Yeah, um, we, we we like to be tied certainly to the results. Yeah, so so if if in that situation, yeah. um, we took our clients yeah. from five hundred thousand dollars, and they all moved backwards to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Because we charge on a percentage base, we just would not have a viable business yeah it, it, it would, it, our business would close the doors and that's
1: I think a um, <clears throat> excuse me and another another reason that I, I like obviously I like to charge the fees the way that we do because otherwise we would do it differently but um, you know obviously I want to be incentivized to move my clients from where they are to where they need to be. The second part of that is a, on an ongoing basis, a big part of what we do with our clients is, is is stopping them making big mistakes when there are significant, um, you know, significant, significant shifts in investment returns, whether it's up or down. If there's a year where uh, investment markets are up by 30% or down by 30%, you tend to find that either way, that triggers something in people, and they want to react to that in an emotional way. So mm. if it's up, normally it's greed, and they're looking at their next door neighbour who's had this UV return, they want to go and pile into the next big thing and mm. we, it's kind of our job to talk them out of that. And the other one, which most people are sort of probably aware of, is the, is the fear of, okay, well, I've, I've got my retirement savings and in a year the, the return of that, there's a negative 30% return and my balance drops you know, from 600,000 to 400,000 in, in that case. That's the big one that people are kind of aware of. The reason, one of the reasons I like to charge that percentage base fee is, as you say, we're in the same boat there. So when someone's coming in to see me and they they are panicking because their retirement savings have dropped from six hundred to four hundred thousand temporarily and as we've talked mm-hmm. about at great length, that's all par for the course. If you <clears throat> if you're gonna be investing in um, in assets that, that do appreciate over time is there's gonna be big moves up and down. What I want is for the the feelings and the emotions for that that, that client is going through, I want to be going through the same thing. And so we've had this just recently with a client where he was he was very concerned that the market might drop next year. And when when I pressed him they said, well what if it what if it goes down by twenty percent? Which is mm-hmm. sort of actually in a sort of an average decline every year. But I said, well if if that drops by twenty percent, your superannuation balance temporarily drops by twenty percent and then probably picks back up the next year and away we go. But you're still taking home the same amount of money from your, from your job every year uh, and every fortnight, whereas my income is directly tied to that. So whatever you're feeling as we go through those market movements, I'm feeling it in, in, you know, in a more real way on a week-to-week basis because my income is directly linked to that. that that's right. Look, I, I like that as well because um, we know the right thing to
0: do and, and, our, and our clients can understand conceptually that that there will be drops, yeah. and there will be a period of time. Um, look, if we go back to the global financial crisis in two thousand eight, yeah. from the previous peak to the to the absolute bottom,
1: yeah.
0: uh, the investment markets around the world dropped some fifty seven percent. So they moved back. Anything that was valued at a yeah. dollar uh, in November two thousand seven, by the time March two thousand nine came yeah. around, yeah. was temporarily valued at forty three cents. Yeah. Um, so, so the advice that I gave people back down, the advice that we'll give people the next time something like that happens will yeah. be don't do that, yeah. which is don't change your investment strategy, yeah. don't panic, don't, yeah. don't do anything, just wait for it to come back. Yeah. Now, what I like about the percentage-based model yeah. is that, like you just said, say our revenue as a business will go down 57% or yep. it'll go down 30% or whatever, whatever. it will be. Yeah. Um, we're on the same side of our clients. Then, yeah. like if we're telling them to don't do anything, yeah. um, we would not have a viable business model. Yeah. If if yeah. we thought that the markets were going to stay down fifty-seven yeah. percent and yeah. weren't going to recover, yeah. Um, so it, it's 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 not necessarily telling them what um, uh, they should do. It's telling them what we would do and what we are doing now as yeah. uh, as a as a, uh, as a business yeah. because. Because uh, uh, essentially, um, there'd just be no reason for us not to give people that advice. Exactly that right. the, the, the best possible advice yeah. uh, at that point in time, and and in all points in time before yeah. that. And I mean, that raises an interesting question on volatility. Why would you invest into something that could drop fifty seven percent? Yeah, um, it's because the average person actually just just needs to hold a big percentage of their assets yeah. in, um, in, 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 in growth markets because yeah. uh, what we find is that certainly in, in uh, times like today where the, the nominal interest rates on term deposits and things like that are yeah. uh, almost nothing. Uh, the average person just wouldn't get to where they need to be to A, retire. And and yeah. to be to live in retirement, so people do need to hold a big percentage of their yeah. their funds, and something's going to return. Yeah, you know, on average, we aim for an eight yeah. percent average rate of return. Yeah. Uh, every year, net of yeah. our fee. Yeah, and and ta- and taxes. Yeah, um, that just isn't possible without yeah. without wild swings. So that eight yeah. percent is an average. Yeah, um, you will find that some years that eight percent will be positive 110%. That's the biggest year that, yeah. that, that the investment markets around the world have ever had. They've yeah. gone up by 110% in one year. Yeah. Um now they've fallen by 57% yeah. in one year. So they're they're the extremes. Yeah.
1: So and and that's I guess your your point is for most people they need to be invested in a way where there is going to be significant volatility and and our our fee structure is based on the fact that we go we know that the average person is coming in to see us needs to be invested in that way we know that the only way they're going to be able to get that return is if they can stick to that investment strategy over long term mm. so our fee schedule is based around you know how do we how do we make this how do we charge our clients in a way that's going to maximise their ability to stick, their ability to take our advice and stick to the plan over the long term? Mm. And that's what we, what we sort of say, is that if we're all in the same boat here, if we're all feeling the same pain at the same points in time, mm. it makes it a lot easier for when we say to our clients, you shouldn't do that, or you, you mustn't do that at that point in time. They know that we're feeling that pain too. Whereas in that case, if, if I was charging my flat fee every year, the the client... Could easily be going well it's easy for you to say you're clipping the ticket anyway you're not feeling this pain you don't know what this feels like to go through this where yes. like i say if our, if our income is directly linked to that and the market is down by 50 percent then no one's hurting more than me at that point in time yes that's right and and that's i guess the the thing with the the fees and how we get paid is what's in what's most important for us is transparency and and that our clients feel as though they are getting more value than what they're paying. So there's no, you know, there are many good arguments for the flat dollar base fee or for some variation of that or whatever it is. We don't, we don't really think that it matters as much as making sure that you're getting more value from your advisor than what you're paying. Yes, We've seen a lot of advisors charging a lot of money and adding a lot more value than that. And we think that's great. We've seen a lot of advisors that charge not much and we still think that they're crooks because they're just adding no value at all. So for us, the most important thing is to go, first and foremost, how do we make the biggest impact and and help our clients in the most meaningful way? And then how do we charge a fee that that we think is is fair compensation to us for helping them affect that change and in a way that everyone feels as though we are in the same boat and heading in the same direction and, and are happy with that? And a couple of other, while we're on fees, Dallas, um, a couple of other questions
0: are, that, we, that we hear often are, are we locked in with you guys forever then? Yep. Um, do you just want to answer that? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a good one because exactly right. We're, we're actually, there's no lock-in contract. There's no, you have to be with us for a certain amount of time, anything like that. It ties into what we've seen in the industry lately is that most people are really, and what most people are, upset with and and should be upset with is the idea that they've got an advisor that shifted them into a product and just clipped the ticket the whole way through and been adding no no value on an ongoing basis. So where the industry has headed and where we like to think we're trendsetters and we were we were already we've already made those changes before these rules came about is that every year uh, we we just we have to disclose to our clients what they have paid uh, over the course of that year, the same as any other service we have to get our clients to re-sign an agreement to indicate that they want to stay on as a client uh, and so that makes it very easy because every year it, it's very clear this is how much you've paid us this is where we see the value that we've added in the next year this is where we see ourselves adding that value moving forward and you have a, a an easy decision to make then as to whether you want to continue to pay that fee or not but i, I think the one of the other reasons that i really like the one percent fee is that. Pretty much any time we spend talking about our fees is is a waste of time because it's not actually adding any value to the client. So the the simple the simple thing of 1%, it's that amount every year. We don't have to have a debate every year of what do we think our time is worth or what do we think that how much work do we think we're going to do for this client. It's based purely around our job is to get you from A to B. If you're happy to pay us the amount required for us to do that, then it's it's one percent every year, and that just keeps rolling along. And any minute that you don't feel that you're getting value for that, you just switch that fee off. Yes, and and so
0: um, when someone would switch a fee off, uh, what would what would happen then is that they cease to become a, They cease to be a client of ours. But yeah. what we've set up for them yeah. stays in place. Uh, stays in place. Yeah. So. So if they if they're comfortable that they think they can yeah. they can um, do things themselves, yeah. then uh, it's their prerogative to actually say we we won't continue to pay yeah. you one percent per year. What you've set up for us can stay in place, and then we can we can we can take on the responsibility then of getting ourselves from you yeah. Uh, yeah, making up yeah. that half a million dollar shortfall yeah. that we face. Yeah. Um, we'll take on the responsibility to, to, yeah. to, to and, get there And that's ourselves. a good,
1: good point is that that happens in, from both sides of the equation there. Like we've, we have, we've had, have had and have at times situations where we think we've got a client and we've worked with them and, and we feel that we've been adding value and so we've been comfortable charging a fee and then we reach a point where we think, well, there's not really much that I can help you with moving forward, or mm. I've done everything that needs to happen, that can just sit as it is. You don't need my advice moving forward. So in those situations, we actually make the choice to, to switch that fee off and, and stop giving ongoing advice to that client if we, like I said, if we feel that the the amount that we would have to charge to keep them as a client is more than the value that they would be yep. getting at that point in time. And that's, that's I think, the other part of it for, with new clients is that it's a, it's a, we say that we have a, a set fee schedule, but many times when we meet with someone for a first appointment, we might just go, the amount that we would have to charge to, to take you on as a client, and to work with you on an ongoing basis, we can't add that much value. And at that point in time, and we often do this, we have a first appointment where you meet with someone, and you point them in the right direction, say these are the things that you, you need to think about, and potentially some of the, the changes that you might need to make. We can't add that much value to your situation, we think that you'd be best served mm. by doing this yourself or mm. uh, working with someone else who, who might be a better fit for you. And so that's the second part of it is, both initially and an ongoing, on an ongoing basis, we only charge a fee to clients that we feel that we're adding far more value than what mm. we're charging. That's a good point. And um, the final one that we hear, uh, just while we're on fees, the
0: final one that we hear is, is, is where does it come from? Like, yeah. do I pay you out of your bank account or do you, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you, does it come from my superannuation fund? Or, yeah. or?
1: it tends to be a combination of, of basically uh this there's, there's two two things to think about when we make the decision of where it comes from in general that will be that fee would normally be deducted from your superannuation product or investment product or something like that just because it's a simple way to keep a track of as we said mm-hmm. if we're charging a one percent fee we then don't have to recalculate that every quarter of every month to work out what that fee needs to mm-hmm. be for that month so Normally that's the way that that happens and that's both because it's the easiest way to not have to recalculate that all the time and also it tends to be the most tax-effective way to charge that fee as well and that's yep. the other part of it is to go in general we want to charge the fee in a way that it's the easiest to administer and for everyone to understand and be happy with and in the most tax-effective way and for yep. most people that, that fee coming out of their superannuation fund is actually tax deductible to the superannuation fund, and so that's why it kind of comes out of there. Yeah. But we do have other clients that we charge a, a fee directly out of their bank account if that's going to be more suitable for them based on their, their situation. Yes. So, yeah. as we say, the, the first, cri- first priority for us is adding massive value to our clients live. The second priority is us getting paid in some way for, for making that happen. And the third priority is how do we actually do how it? Do the rest of it is just administration and, and working out how, how to do that in a fair way. Fantastic. So
0: in wrapping up, um, I'd just like to add that, uh, certainly the initial, the first meeting that we have with prospective prospective new client is um, complimentary. Yeah. So um, during that meeting, uh, we both go through the same process with our Prospective clients, yeah. um, and and that is to to work out if we can add yeah. um, significant value to their situation. Yeah, and um, certainly, like you said, like you just mentioned, it, we 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 just won't take on someone that we don't feel that we can add enough value and our fees. Like we want to charge someone a fee and add significant more, than significantly more value than whatever yeah. we need to, to to charge them as a fee um so during that first meeting we we um both of us i know we 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 you know uh specialize in actually showing people what value we could add what role we could play yep. in in getting them to where they need to be actually working out with people where they where they do need to be yeah as well um and and, and looking at what we can we we would then say to them you know here's our Here's what we would need to charge you. Here's your fee schedule. Like like we said, it's nice and simple: two yeah. percent for the first year as a new client comes on board, yeah.
1: and one percent thereafter. And that, that's a good uh, good point to make is that we we pride ourselves on making things as simple as they possibly can be and as transparent as they can be. And um, we've talked a bit about you know the, the long term over 10 years adding $500,000 worth of, worth of additional value to, mm. to our client's retirement savings. The other one that we look at in that first appointment, and I, I've had this just a, a couple of days ago, which sort of makes our life easier when we're talking about our fees, is that we had prospective new clients come in with about $500,000 in, in total retirement savings. Over the course of that first year, I said, these are some of the changes that you need to look to make just in cost savings on the superannuation and investment products that they already had, and in a little bit of tax savings, they were basically gonna save $9,000 in that first year. And so that was kind of an easy one because I'm going, well, I think I can add massive value over the next 10 years of your life, and just by making these changes in this first year, that's effectively paid for my fees. So you basically get a year to look at that and go, can this guy do everything that he says he's going to do? Is he going to be able to add that value over the next 10 years? And, mm-hmm. and basically, as we said, you, you get to see for the first year, can this guy build this fence or not? And it's, it's a, a tangible, easy thing to put your finger on is, you know, tax savings and, and cost savings aren't the be all and end all, but it tends to be an easy one that we can look at that first point and go, is there an, an easy way to pick up something concrete that you can walk away from going? I know that I can definitely save this amount of money separate to the long-term value that we can add. Great point to wrap up. Uh, Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.